Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. A big shout out to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. They've been a big supporter of the show, and you should support them. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com smartpeople and enter offer code EXPERT at checkout. A better web starts with your website. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. I am Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. John, what do you think about the topic of technology? Love it. But it's, well, it's technology, but it's the future. So guys, if you're, Love not, it a, even more. If you're not a technologist, you're not a nerd like Roach over here, don't go running because we just watched, I mean, yes, we just talked to our guest, but we watched a video of him online and I was like, I want to go see this guy speak live because... He makes a lot of good points. So who is this genius? His name is Daniel Burris. And Daniel is considered to be one of the world's leading futurists on global trends and innovation. What is a futurist? Well, what Daniel says is, look, your whole life is going to be lived in the future. The next second, the next hour, the next day, week, month, year. So you should probably try to understand it. And the cool thing is you do know some things that will happen in the future. Sure, you don't know if the world's going to end because of a nuclear bomb or something or a bunch of them. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. But will phones get faster, smaller, better? Yes. 
Will other technological trends, I don't know, I'm sure John knows this stuff better than I, what is going to happen? Some of the trends that you can start to see happening now, wearables, wearable computers. We're embedding computers in everything. Daniel talks about you need to notice these trends. Right now, they might seem silly, but in the future, could this be awesome? Of course. What about virtual reality stuff? Oculus Rift was really big, and people kind of looked at Facebook and thought, why are you buying this gaming headset? And then Mark Zuckerberg came out and said he wanted to use it to revolutionize medical, education, and other aspects, not just gaming. He saw or he had an idea of the future. And it's it's these hard trends, these things that are almost certainly going to happen. So we're going to turn it over to Daniel. He wrote a book, Flash Foresight, How to See the Invisible and Do the Impossible. And admittedly, at first it sounded kind of odd, but the more we talked to him, then read his stuff, then watched his videos, he's taking a practical approach to this. Really think you're going to love it. So we're going to turn it over here to Daniel in a second. Before we do that, make sure you head to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Interact with us. There's a contact us. You know we're on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And also sign up for the newsletter. We've been mentioning it. We're really getting those out probably on a bi-weekly basis. We're going to move forward. And we put out some good stuff. So it's a great way to keep in touch. Enjoy this week's episode with Daniel Burris. Well, Daniel, thanks again for being on the show. We were chatting about kind of how you got to where you are. Uh, it's really incredible the amount of people that tune in to listen to your predictions about technology, to learn about the things you do. But if you could give us and those listeners that aren't aware a little background of how you got to where you are and how you knew it was something you wanted to do. Well, that's a great question. Well, first of all, uh, I this it has been a journey. Uh, over the years, uh, I've started six companies, and uh, three of them are national leaders in the first year. All of them were profitable in the first year. And um, and before that, I taught biology and physics. So really, I'm a science guy. I'm a teacher that uh, had a knack for business. And when I started, and I started Burris Research, and that's the company that I've had for, uh, I'm in my 31st year right now. And what we do is research global innovations in all areas of technology, lasers, robots, genetics, fiber optics, everything globally. Started doing it way back then. And uh, I uh, used really science to come up with a way to forecast the future, came up with a very good methodology, and it's been very accurate over the years. Since then, I've uh, published 11 audiobooks, six uh, regular books that have been bestsellers, like Flash Foresight, Spina. New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller, and uh, I've published uh, literally thousands of articles. My staff told me last year I had 135 articles published just last year, uh, So, and I've given uh, over 2,700 keynote speeches around the world. So, matter of fact, I was just in uh, Las Vegas yesterday speaking to 7,000 people at a conference. So, I think uh, the uh, it's a journey. But I think part of that journey is uh, uh, really not just using your talents, but really trying to decide what is your gift and then directing the talents to support the gift so that you can uh, soar to higher heights. I think that's a really important and something that I want to kind of pause on because you're right, oftentimes, and it's becoming a little more of a trend, you know, oftentimes people try to take their weaknesses and make them a little stronger. Then the recent kind of thing to do is just take what you're good at 
and utilize that. And you're kind of saying, yes, you need to do that, but figure out what kind of field that you'll be able to make a difference in. And yours was technology. How did you, how did you know that? How did you discover that? Yeah, well, you know, just to, 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 you just said it's something very important I want to go back to just a second, sure. and that is that trying to make something you're bad at a little better is, to me, a waste of time. I would rather take something I'm amazing at and make it better. Hmm. So there are a lot of things that I'm not good at. I mean, I started discovering that when I was in elementary school. There are things that I just am not as good at as other people. And one of the things that I learned how to do when I started my first company was I learned how to fail fast because I couldn't afford to fail slow. And instead of doing the things that I was okay at or even good at, I got other people that were amazing to do those things. So what I do is I spend all of my time doing those things that really only I can do that are really in my complete sweet spot. And uh, technology, uh, to me, again, I taught you know, biology and physics at one time, so I've always been interested in science. But what I was interested in technology is that really technology is applied science. It's applying it to do something with the science. And technology lets us redefine reality. Uh, most of the things that we do on planet Earth today were impossible at one point in time. And so how have humans done impossible things? And, well, they, you know, when, once the invisible solution to a seemingly impossible problem becomes visible, once a uh, uh, opportunity that you couldn't see becomes visible, in that moment you get what I call a flash of foresight, allowing you to move forward in a new direction. And since we're going to spend the rest of our life in the future, that's why I've always been attracted to that subject. That was just such a cool summation of it. I love, first of all, how you link technology to science. Uh, everyone that listens to the show kind of knows I'm not a big tech guy. John is. And so I never made that connection, right? I look at technology as wires and bits and bytes and just a given, you know, things that are there because other smarter people do it. But when you link it to science, something I'm interested in, that makes it more real to me. I can understand that. And then making the impossible possible, it makes sense after you say it, but never thought about it that way. Imagine before uh, the telephone saying, you know, predicting you could use the telephone, that'd be literally impossible. So it's just a really different way. You have a clearly a different way of looking at the, the entire spectrum of that industry. Yeah, for example, as you said, regarding the telephone, uh, there are three levels to uh, innovation and creativity. This is something I've written about and the way I've defined it. And that is there's discovery, uh, invention, and creation. And uh, you can discover something. Uh, there is a, for, there's even art where you find a beautiful rock. Well, that's you didn't make that rock. You just discovered it and said, hey, that's art, and maybe you could sell it. Uh, so there is, uh, you can discover fire and uh, turn it into something that you can use. Nobody invented fire. And then uh, you can use uh, science to uh, invent things uh, where you take, uh, again, science principles like uh, lasers or you might take uh, the ability to do a, a thin molecular uh, a coating on something or a nano coating on something. Well, that's a science, but then if you turn it into a tool, now you've got a technology. And then uh, the creation is, uh, well, let's take uh, Beethoven. You know, I mean, there's only so many keys on a piano, but uh, it took Beethoven to do the fifth. Uh, and probably if Beethoven wouldn't be alive, we wouldn't have the fifth. 
even though we have the piano. So there's discovery, invention, creation, and all of those are valid, but there are high, higher levels, obviously. Now, you mentioned something there that's really interesting. When I think of discovery technology, one of the things you do, and I, I want to dive into that, part of Flash Foresight is kind of looking at the certainties of technology. And when I first thought of that, I said, there are no certainties. How can he say this? You know, And then instantly you kind of debunked that. You said, will the next iPhone have more memory? And I was like, well, yeah, of course it will. Okay, certainty. So my question then is, when you have those certainties or the average person or somebody even interested in this, what do you do with it? Like, because I wouldn't even, I'm like, okay, that's a given, but what's next? Yeah, very good question. And uh, and again, in Flash Foresight, my latest book, uh, you know, the subtitle of that is How to See the Invisible and Do the Impossible. And now you start to see why I picked that as a subtitle. And now you kind of get the idea of why I want to trigger Flash Foresights. And there are seven triggers, and one of them is indeed certainty. So in an uncertain world, by the way, the world is getting even more uncertain. Uncertainty does not make you write a check, does not make you hire people, start a business because you have no confidence. But if you have certainty, you have the confidence to move forward. So in an uncertain world, you have to ask, what are you certain about? And one of the things that I defined in the book and that actually I've come up with many years ago and wrote about it in one of my other books, Technotrends, and that is there are two types of trends, hard trends and soft trends. Hard trends will happen, absolutely, guaranteed. Soft trends might happen. So when you separate the things that will happen for sure from the things that might happen, you get amazing clarity. And one other um, example in there is there's two types of change. And the economists are really good at one type, and that is cyclical change, which gives you predictability. After spring will be summer, followed by fall. The stock market goes up, it goes down, it goes up. There are cycles. And, of course, economists use cycles to predict the future. And the reason they have been increasingly wrong is there's another kind of change that used to be slow, but now it's fast. And that is linear change. Once That is not a cycle. Once it happens, you don't go back. Once you get a smartphone, you don't go back to a dumb phone. Once, <laughs> once the people in China park their bicycles and get cars, they're not going back to the bike. And this, by the way, creates a lot of predictable future opportunities as well as challenges. So when we think the future is unpredictable, actually, you're wrong. Um, I have uh, actually I've got over 5000 hard trends that I've identified in different fields that uh, absolutely will happen. And there are plenty more. So how do you how do you actually make this and turn it into an action? Um, well, let's go back to the experiment uh, that I did when I was writing Flash Foresight. Uh, that was in 2009. We had a recession and most authors just write their book and think it's good and hope it'll work. I decided while I'm writing it, why don't I see how good these seven principles are? So I decided to apply it to starting a business from scratch without investors. Let's just see how good it really is. So I applied the seven principles and I decided that one of the certainties was that mobile apps, apps for smartphones, was a new type of software, a new classification of software that would get bigger every year. It would not go up and go down. It wasn't a fad. That was what I call a hard trend, and it would grow very, very big. Hmm. And the apps back at that time were uh, $0.99 cent per download, and you could, of course, simulate a beer can and tip the thing sideways and look like you were pouring <laughs> the beer into your mouth, you know, things like that. In other words, they were games. And I asked myself, well, you know, what's the future of that? And it, I could easily see you'd be using them for 
logistics, supply chain, purchasing, uh, sales support, uh, all kinds of things. I mean, once you start thinking about it, the future becomes more visible to you. In other words, you need time to think. And um, uh, I'm not a programmer. And by the way, one of the other principles in the book is to take your biggest problem and skip it. So instead of trying to become a, pr a programmer, I skipped that and I called a local university uh, and I asked, who is one of your smartest undergraduates in uh, software engineering? And uh, he knows more than all the, all the teachers. And they said, oh, you mean Steve? And I said, yeah, Steve, what's his phone number? So I called Steve and he was, of course, on the side programming websites, which he has been doing since he was in seventh grade. And I said, how do you like to design some cutting edge apps? And of course, he said, cool. And instead of paying him a lot of money, I just gave him a small percent of the profits, which, of course, motivated him. And uh, within uh, six months, we uh, launched our first uh, apps. And uh, within the first week, we were the 17th most downloaded app in the App Store. I came up with a way of creating uh, uh, recurring revenue, which had never been done in an app before. Because once again, just because it's never been done doesn't mean I don't want to do it. One of the other principles in Flash Foresight is to redefine and reinvent. So that means here's how you make money now. I want a better way to make money. I want to redefine how you make money. Uh, so I came up with a way to do that and was able to turn that into a uh, you know 1.1 million a month in recurring revenue fairly quickly. Without getting into any longer story on that, uh, it, it really is about making the invisible visible, including opportunities, taking those things that you think are your biggest issues and problems and skipping them so that you can get past them. I want to talk about the different triggers here in a second, but I would be doing an injustice if I breezed past what you said. Just because it's never been done doesn't mean you don't want to do it. I think that that is a true sign of an innovator, somebody on the front lines, and it's a unique – it's not necessarily a unique mindset because a lot of people understand it, but it's a unique ability because doing something that's never been done is soul crushing because of how much negative opposition you get. How do you push through that? How do you deal with that? The more negative opposition I get to one of the things that I come up with, uh, the more excited I get because I know it'll be bigger. As a matter of fact, I back when I was younger and I was starting things, uh, I used to use my parents as a litmus test. And the, the crazier they thought I was, the better the idea I knew it would be. So, uh, you see, so to me, if I'm doing something that everyone would have thought of and, and it's very common out there, then I'm going to have low margins and I'll have a di difficult launch. I want to have things that, uh, matter of fact, one of the golden rules that I talk about is if you ask people what they want and you give it to them, you will always miss the bigger opportunity because they'll always under answer. They don't know what's technically possible. So the better question to ask is, what would people really want to do? They don't think they can, but they really would want to do it. Then I look at new tools and say to myself, is there a way I could give it to them? And all of a sudden, bingo, you got amazing opportunity in front of you. Gosh, it sounds easier in theory. You've got, you know, years of experience. So I wanted to kind of see how do these wait, triggers. Wait, wait. Let, me, let, me, let me interrupt you for a second. Sure. Say, Here's one of the biggest problems everyone listening to this podcast has got. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what level you are in an organization, whether you're a student, I don't care. And that is you are all really busy. Look, hey, you're really busy. And let me just ask you a question. Were the top five executives of General Motors really busy every day for the two years before they went bankrupt? And the answer is, yeah, 
hey, didn't help them. It's not going to help you either. Being You can busy yourself right out of business. <laughs> so what you have to do is to realize there's more opportunity right now than has ever been around since any of us have been alive. Uh, there's a mountain of opportunity. By the way, that opportunity is fogged in. There's a fog around the mountain. And by the way, what's the fog? And the fog is the news because bad news sells, good news doesn't sell. And if there is no bad news, they'll give you the anniversary of bad news. But there is an amazing amount of amazing news if you blow away the fog, if you see the mountain. So, you know, you've, you've got to say, look, I've got to spend at least an hour a week of my time. And by the way, this is some advice I'm giving everyone now. Uh, and that is you need to spend at least an hour a week unplugging from the present because the present looks more like the past than the future. Uh, let's face it. Why is your windshield larger than your rearview mirror? Hey, helps to know it's up ahead. Hmm. So uh, what I want to do is not spend a lot of time with the rearview mirror. I want to be looking through the windshield. And I want bright lights. I don't want them on dim. So that means I need to spend at least an hour a week, this is my recommendation, asking myself, you know, what are the certainties? What are the hard trends? What are the things that I know will happen? Not all the things I don't know will happen. What are all the things I can do instead of all the things I can't do? Um, and you'll start getting an amazing list. And if you're with people that disagree with you on something, start with what do we agree on and work off of that list. Because if you never start with the agree on, if you start with the disagree, you'll be like the Senate and the Congress. If they would start with what they agreed on, they would find so much amazing stuff to agree on that we could actually move forward. But they start with what they don't agree on, get such a big list that they just go home and take another <laughs> recess. And now it's time for our awesome sponsors who support Smart People Podcast. We really appreciate our sponsor this week, longtime supporter of the show, Squarespace. They support a number of podcasts, big and small, and are really helping this medium reach the next level. But Squarespace wanted to try something different, something fun, so they hired internet sensation Jonathan Mann, the song a day guy, to mix it up and give you something like this. Squarespace, get started to... Man, that's catchy. When you guys decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to go to squarespace.com slash smartpeople, use the offer code EXPERT to get 10% off your first purchase, and to show your support for Smart People Podcast. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. That's squarespace.com slash smartpeople, offer code EXPERT. Are you tired of wasting time going to the post office, but you don't know of a better way? Perhaps you've looked into getting a postage meter, but those can cost an arm and a leg. Instead, bring the post office to you using Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you get all the benefits of a postage meter, but at a fraction of the cost. When you use Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. You'll never have to step foot inside a crowded post office again. Everything you would do at the post office, you can now do right from your desk. We love Stamps.com. If you've ever won any of our past Twitter giveaways, you can guarantee that those books and that other swag we've sent 
definitely came using stamps.com. We don't want to waste any more time at the post office. Why would you? Right now, use our promo code SMART for this special offer. You get a no-risk trial plus a $110 bonus offer. This includes a digital scale and up to $55 in free postage. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SMART. That's Stamps.com. Enter SMART. You talk about, and we've kind of covered them, but just so people know, could you tell us what those seven triggers are? You know, I know you don't have to go into all of them because that would be the entire book, but um, just to get an idea of your kind of process when you created that company using these and, and that kind of issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, obviously you could go to uh, Amazon and get uh, Flash Foresight. And by the way, I've got a lot of, uh, of things on my uh, Burrus, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com, where you could get more information on this and articles I've written about it. So one of them is certainty. And again, in a world that's uncertain, I've got to ask myself, what am I certain about? And the key here is strategy based on uncertainty as high risk. However, strategy based on certainty as low risk and high reward. So there's a good reason to do that. Uh, secondly, I want to be go working off of separating those hard trends from the soft trends. Another one I want to do is take all of the problems I have and use the principle I shared a little while ago, take your biggest problem and skip it. Um, and uh, what I mean by that, let me just give you a quick example of that because that's a harder concept for a lot of people to understand. And uh, that is at first blush. And that is, uh, let's take a corporate example first. Several years ago, I was speaking uh, or I was meeting with the top executives of Eli Lilly, a big drug company, and I asked them what their biggest problem was. And they said, well, we've got to hire about 2000 Ph.D. researchers, but we don't have the budget for that. That's our problem. Now, right away, I knew that wasn't it. So I skipped it. I started asking why to peel the onion back so I could get down to what the real problem was, because that's the way you can find the real one, by the way, which you can solve. And I said, so why do you need all those guys? And they said, well, we're a drug company and our stock price is in direct proportion to how many new drugs are in the pipeline. To get new drugs in the pipeline, we've got to solve molecular problems. And to solve molecular problems, we need researchers. We're short in our pipeline. We need at least 2,000 additional guys to do that. We just don't have the budget. So then I invoked the principle. I said, well, good, let's skip that. So what did they do? Well, we put uh, all of their molecular problems on the Internet in a dozen languages and said, hey, we pay for solutions. Well, it didn't take long, and they had thousands and thousands of Ph.D. researchers from all over the world submitting solutions to their molecular problems, and Eli Lilly bought the solutions they wanted to buy. I talked to someone recently who said, I can't save money. I'm working hard at saving money, and, and I said, I just can't do it. And I said, well, that's because it's the wrong problem. If you worked at how you spent money, you'd save money by default. Uh, by the way, that leads us to another one of the principles. Opposites work better. You notice spending money, saving money is an opposite. So opposites is another way to make the invisible visible. For example, how could you start a billion-dollar shoe company when there are so many great shoes out there already. For example, I was just in New York, and in New York, there are all these shoe stores with beautiful Italian shoes, leather, they look beautiful. How do you, and there's so many styles out there, how do you compete against that? And the answer is you don't. You do the opposite, create an ugly plastic shoe. By the way, Crocs did quite well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I also look in the opposite direction because I usually find a better answer. Um, another one I mentioned to you is to redefine and reinvent. 
because everything can be redefined and reinvented. At one time, the only way that you could open a can was to use a can opener. And uh, then the soda companies came up with a way that you could rip off this little tab and it would pull it off. Uh, you might remember that a number of years ago. And, of course, that created pollution. There was a lot of those little ripped-off tabs that were around. And, of course, some people uh, would you know, hurt their finger on that. So then somebody came up with a better idea. And that was, you know what, maybe there's a better way. And then we had the push-in tab where you pull it and you push it in. And then that was a way to open the can. By the way, is that the only way have all the ideas been thought of? And the answer is no, no. There's always a better way. So if you have the philosophy that there's always a better way, you can make a lot of money. If you have the philosophy that all the best ways have been discovered, you're going to be looking for work. There are other principles in there, but, uh, you know, you're getting the idea that there's, um, I think the reason the book has been uh, required reading for not only the companies like IBM and uh, many other, uh, you know, SAP and Deloitte and a lot of other companies, but uh, uh, I, one of the things, again, I've written six books that have done very well, but one of the reasons I've been very happy with that book is I get so many people that write me and tell me how they were able to grow their company in less than a year, uh, double revenue. I had one guy that called me uh, and and uh, told me that he was uh, having to lay off people and he was about to lay off himself and somebody recommended that he read the book and, uh, you know, in six months he was hiring again. Well, six months is not a long time. So I was very happy that it's, you know, provided some good guiding principles that people can apply. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, so many people, whether they work in a large company, small company, run a small company, entrepreneur, there's always places either within that company or within their own life that they're looking to create. I think that creating something and innovating, and obviously technology is a big way to do that these days, is so core to what we want to do in our short time on Earth that there's no wonder why it resonates with so many people and you get this response. Yeah, and I think the key is that so often we say, well, hey, look, we want you to be creative or come up with an idea. And you have trouble coming up with an idea. And that is because you don't have any tools to stimulate those ideas. So that's why I called in, in Flash Foresight those seven things that make the invisible visible. I call them triggers because those are tools. That's your toolbox that will trigger the inventive idea rather than just saying, hey, be creative, and then you can't think of anything. Right. Now, that is the genius. As the tech guy on the show, I feel obligated to ask you what trends that you're excited about that's coming up right now, because I've got my list of four things here, and I want to see if we, we hit on anything here. Can you just go into the things that you think are going to be big in the next 5, 10, 15 years, the things that really get you excited? Well, you know, if you want a giant uh, sweeping categories, I could just say that the revolution is a visual, social, mobile, virtual revolution. Hmm. And uh, if you uh, so if you look at what all of those four cover, uh, it is a sweeping giant, holy cow, mega change. And one of the things that uh, your listeners might want to do is if they do go to MyBurris.com, um, uh, they'll see my latest uh, 2014 uh, trend uh, report, which is really all about technology-driven trends. It doesn't cost you anything; you can get it for free, and um, you'll get a uh, you'll get a list. I've been publishing that uh, list for 30 years, and if you look at my old trends, 
uh, from the 80s and 90s, you would see, wow, I mean, I've got a track record that they will be right, they'll be accurate. So there, there gives you a pretty good list. But uh, the biggest thing I, I think that is to look at not just the tool, it's how you use it. Right. It's about the creative application. And uh, to give you a prediction that I think uh, your listeners can uh, use here is I'll give you a five-year prediction. And that is, this is based on the hard trends and the technology innovations that are taking place. Over the next five years, we will transform. And notice I didn't say change. We will transform how we sell, how we market, how we communicate, how we collaborate, how to innovate, how we train, how we educate. We're going to transform all those things. By the way, if you're in a company that's just changing those things, you're already in trouble because we're going through a massive, unprecedented period of transformation, and the tools are there. And the principle that I'll share with all of your listeners is this very important one. If it can be done, it will be done, and if you don't do it, someone else will. So once you realize what can be done, you have to realize, hey, you know what? It's going to be done. And now you have a choice. Am I going to do it or am I going to let my competitors do it? So you actually do have a choice because every disruptive technology that has ever happened was there to see. If you look at my 1993 book, Technotrends, uh, I mean, that was two years before Amazon. That was two years before, you know, we, we started using browsers. That was two years before the first browser. Um, I was, I, you know, I said there would be in two years, we'd have a virtual bookstore. By the way, two years later, we had Amazon. I was saying uh, that we would have smartphones like we have today. That was in my 1993 book, and I put an accurate time frame on it. I was talking about social media back then, putting accurate time frames on it. And that, what I'm getting at is the more you look, the more you see. So even though our listeners are not professional futurists and forecasters like I am, the reason I wrote Flash Foresight is you need to become more anticipatory. And there's a way to do it. There's a discipline. There's some things that you can do. And, you know, there are tools out there. The biggest thing is start looking. The more you look, the more you see. The list that I have sitting in front of me, I just jotted down Internet of Things, Deep Learning, VR, such as the Oculus Rift. And I think that fits into those four categories that you were talking about. So I wanted to ask you, since... Facebook just made this big splash of spending $2 billion to buy that virtual reality maker Oculus. Do you see the same thing that Mark Zuckerberg sees with this, with using it in the medical field, changing the education field, the the way that we connect with people, that these virtual reality headsets are going to actually become a thing that's in everybody's home? Well, I think that uh, actually I think Zuckerberg is getting it for another reason, and that is he's interested in the not so much the physical tangible headset, but the software that is running the headset. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is one of the other very exciting game-changing things, I've already got a prototype of it uh, running on my computer, and that is uh, the 3D web browser. Uh, and a 3D web browser means that you get full things sticking out as well as going in without wearing special glasses. Every website right now, and look at your computer screen, you're looking at a flat piece of paper, yep. and it's got a video and a hyperlink and a typing and a picture. Yeah, but that's 2D. What if you had full immersive 3D? You could go in or spatial or have things stick out and not wear glasses. By the way, that's, like I said, heck, I'm already using a prototype of that, and it's quite stunning. So if I can do that, 
uh, wow, I've actually had the ability to create an immersive virtual environment without having to put the headset on. Right. So right. I think uh, uh, the other thing that uh, is very new, and that is the ability to use a nano spray to put a special kind of coating on a surface and turn it into a screen. So that means that I can turn any surface into a screen, which means if I have four walls, I could turn them in those four walls into screens, connect them up, and all of a sudden, I don't have to wear a headset. I got a, I got a room. So I think he's more interested in the software than the hardware. He bought the hardware because it came with the software. I've never even heard of, of the nano spray stuff. And all of a sudden, I just imagine we don't need windows anymore. Like you can just spray your own window, create your own, you know, exterior looking environment. And then I would be living in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I mean, I've been publishing my Technotrends newsletter for, uh, you know, 30 years now. And it's, uh, you know, very widely read. Uh, people read it. I, I forget how many countries have been getting it for years. And I get... Almost all of the, the people that subscribe to it continue to get it. A, a lot of news sources get their technology news from my Technotrends newsletter because, remember, we're a research company. So that, uh, that nano spray you haven't read about yet because I haven't given it to anybody yet. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here. You know, I was looking around on, on your site, Burris.com, and it's really incredible, especially, as you mentioned, the amount of information that's on there for free. And I really urge our listeners to go check it out. I know they will because this is right in their wheelhouse. And just as a teaser, I want to tell them that one of the coolest things that I think you list as your top 25 technology-driven trends is using drones for fire, police, you know, things like that, kind of uh, responsive right away. I think that's such a cool idea. I mean, where do you envision that specifically? Oh, I was yeah, just curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you just think about uh, instead of the delivery like Amazon was suggesting, mm -hmm. which, by the way, if Amazon did it, so would Walmart. If Walmart did it, so would Kmart. If Kmart did it, so would Target. If Target did it, so would Sears. So we would have so many drones flying around <laughs> with packages that you wouldn't be able to see. I wouldn't be able to see the ocean right now. And... Um, uh, so the reality is the FAA is not going to do that. So you got to ask yourself, what would they do? And, you know, you got to think, where is the low-hanging fruit that you could really have a big impact and do it now? You don't have to wait a year or two or three. And the FAA is going to continue to say, okay, with that, because you wouldn't want to create a business that's going to get clamped down in a year, which, by the way, there are a bunch of them starting to happen right now, and they're going to end up in trouble because there's going to be a law that will say, eh, sorry, can't do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, how about agriculture? Whoa, is that big? See, there aren't a lot of cities. Uh, you know that 75% of the entire United States is rural? Makes that's, sense, yeah. That's, yeah. that's really right. So if you're a farmer, you've got to count cattle. You've got to check and see if the fence is broken. You've got to see where you got to, uh, you know, do, uh, see where the plants are growing, where they aren't growing. Whoa, that could be huge. If you were in, man in managing a national park and uh, in the environment, you wanted to see, you know, do a... Uh, you know, how many elk do we have uh, this spring before summer starts? Whoa, we could count them. So uh, if you wanted to check migration patterns of whales, you know, that's different. Than, uh, so, so you've got to ask, you know, where would they really want to go? It's kind of like if I go back to the later 80s when CDs were just starting to happen, and they were talking about back then in the late 80s, all of a sudden um, all books would be, digital. And back then they were thinking on a CD because they weren't thinking further than that. Uh, I jumped in and said, no, 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 that won't happen. 
uh, you know, Moby, I don't see people writing Moby Dick on their computer, hmm. um, uh, but, uh, and, and enjoying it that much uh, using a CD. Uh, I said, but dictionary, that makes sense. An encyclopedia, whoa, that makes sense. You see, and of course, that's what happened. We ended up with, uh, those were the early applications of CDs for, uh, for consumption and making money. So I think you have to ask yourself, just like I did back then, what are the best uses for these that are likely to not be stopped by government? And you'll come up with many ways to make money. I think one of the biggest things we're, we're telling our listeners to do is exactly what you said. Take that hour each week to sit and, and think. Do yourself a service and just sit down and, and think. Not enough people sit down and, and truly think about think things. Think about the future, because, yeah, don't just busy. think. Well, once again, you're going to spend the rest of your life in the future. Maybe you should think about it. All right. Well, Daniel, I mean, this has been really amazing. And I just thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're busy, you know, uh, figuring out our future. So <laughs> for you to take the, the time to be on the show, we mentioned Flash Foresight, uh, which we will put a link to on our website, uh, smartpeoplepodcast.com and your website, burris.com. But you're, you're also, I mean, you're everywhere. Where else can people go? You mentioned your Twitter account. Tell them how to, to follow you there and where else you might uh, be writing. Yeah, well, if you just uh, go either to Twitter or to YouTube or to Facebook or wherever and just put in, you know, the name of it, like Twitter slash, and then just put Daniel Burris, you'll find me. Because that's my name, Daniel yeah. Burris. And you and are I'm everywhere, not. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you'll just find me in all those places. And I tell you what, I'm going to give you one more thing that is a special hidden site. It is not, uh, I uh, don't do this on interviews usually, but I'll do this for all of your uh uh, listeners, I love it. I have a I have a, a magazine uh, that I publish called Know What's Next. I do charge for that, by the way. I also have my newsletter, the Technotrends newsletter, which I do charge for. And what I will do is I'm going to give you a site that is not a public site uh, that uh, your listeners can go to, and uh, they can download uh, a uh, uh, Know What's Next uh, magazine because it's also it's both paper and digital. And they can also get a subscription to the newsletter uh, and see how they like it. So that site would be uh, Burrus.com, B-U-R-R-U-S.com slash magazine. And if they do that, they'll find a way to get that and also get the uh, PDF of my uh, trends. That's amazing. Thank you so, so much. John is literally already typing it into his <laughs> computer. So really appreciate that. And we will uh, make sure we, we put that on the post as well because people will want to enjoy that. So, Daniel, thank you so much. We appreciate you being on the show and look forward to keeping up with your predictions for the future. You got it. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, have a great day. All right, guys, it's time to utilize some of that technology that we were talking about in this episode. Fire up those phones and Twitter. Shoot us a message at Smart People Pod. You can drop us a line via email, smartpeoplepodcast.com at gmail.com there's all kinds of ways that you can reach out to chris and i john is now going to spend the next day just looking at technology and trends and convincing me of what comes next wait the next day okay then i pretty much spend my life year. doing that the future exactly let us know what you think about daniel what technology do you see coming you're probably not going to do that but if you do that'd be cool yes shoot us an email tweet at us drop us a line on facebook whatever it is and again, as always, if you enjoyed the show or any episodes before, 
please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a review. It helps us reach out to new guests, make it look like that we're running a serious operation over here, which we are. But those reviews definitely help. So if you guys could do that, I would greatly appreciate it. We will see you guys next week. 